Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. Hey, I'm so grateful you could be with me today. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly. Today's episode is all about talking to our kids about sex. And this can be difficult for us for a variety of different reasons. It's something that I think a lot of parents find challenging, but as a single mom, there may be some layers of pain when it comes to dealing with sexuality that we're not really sure how to address with our kids. There's also this tie between sexuality and God's design for sex and marriage. And many of us know that our families don't necessarily reflect that design, and we're not really sure about how we navigate that conversation with our kids and maybe how much we should be sharing about our own personal journeys. I'm joined in this conversation by Focus on the Family Vice President Danny Huerta. And Danny and I dive into all of these topics, and he gives us some really practical steps to figuring out how we can have these conversations with our kids. As we get started, if you'd like to take notes on this episode and then later give yourself the opportunity to pray and reflect on what you've learned, I want you to have a look down in the show notes. You'll notice something called podcast pages. If you click on that link, you'll be taken to the Agape Moms website, and there you'll find free downloadable podcast journaling pages to give you the opportunity to consider further what God would have for you from this episode. Also, down in the show notes, if you are new to the podcast, you'll notice a link to a quiz. It's called What's Your Loneliness Type? Loneliness is something that all of us single moms have to deal with, but the reasons why we deal with loneliness are different, and they don't necessarily have that much to do with whether or not we're in a relationship. So if you'd like to learn more about your own experience with loneliness, what's causing it, and then some of the ways out, go ahead and click on that link or head over to agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. In this conversation with Danny, one of the things I appreciated was not only his perspective as a counselor, but his perspective as a dad. Here is my conversation with Danny Huerta. Danny, great to have you back. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on your show, Michelle. Appreciate it. Now, Danny, we're diving into a difficult subject today, but I think it's one that's really critical. I think sex and sexuality are places where the enemy can get into our kids really early on, that there's some vulnerability here and they're prone to misinformation and confusion. But if we are that voice of truth, if we're that primary place where our kids will go to to get information about God's design for sexuality, that we are really priming ourselves and our kids to be up for the fight. So as we dive in here today, I'd like to know if you could help us understand how we get started with this. What age can we get going? And if maybe we're a little further down the track, how do we start if we haven't already? Well, Michelle, it's a, it's a very tough topic and one that has a lot of complexity to it. Uh, and it's one that is so important for every parent to participate in. 
uh, with their kids. Uh, there's uh, when when you think about sexuality, there may be some uh, word associations already there for you as a parent. So first, you have to start there. What? How do I see the topic of sex? How has that? How was that taught to me? What was it like for me to engage in conversations around sex? And then start from there. What made it comfortable for you to talk about? What did not make it comfortable? And then begin to think about the different personalities in your home, your kids. You may have a child that's more of a social talker type personality that uh, totally gets that relational uh, affection and, and uh, those parameters and can have a lot of, a lot of relationship experiences to draw from as you talk about sexuality. And then you have some that are more withdrawn. They, they don't like people as much. They don't like contact. They don't like touch. And so you have a, just different conversations with each of your kids. And so when you begin to think about how do I want to craft this, I love to start with parents on the topic of be, be, uh, developing or becoming contributors rather than consumers in our home. And that's where, that's where it really begins. What does it mean to be a contributor in someone's life from a dating perspective, from a sexuality perspective, but early on from just a, a humanity perspective and within the kingdom of God? What does that look like instead of entering as, in as consumers <clears throat> into that uh, dating relationship? So know that as moms, you've got this. You've got a lot to offer your kids. Lean in. It's going to be awkward, uncomfortable. There will probably never be an ideal moment where you have shining lights to say, hey, talk about sex now. It's just entering those. And many times it's in the car or on a walk or playing with some toys or you, you watch the show and the topic just got brought up for you. Lean into those and know that those investments are really, really uh, important and also uh, will bring, bring back some great returns down the road. I appreciate that you just brought up the fact that, that this can be spurred on by some other experience. So if you're on a walk or if you're watching something on TV, and I think one of the things that I've learned that helps to kind of break down the barriers about this is to recognize this should not be one talk. <laughs> this no. should not be a one-time event where you got to get it all right and have all the diagrams and all that kind of stuff. This is not like a health class type of a conversation. This is an ongoing thing that shifts as our kids get older and have different experiences. Yeah. So help yeah. us understand that though. How does this messaging shift from talking about the basics perhaps with an elementary aged child all the way up through high school and adulthood? Yeah. I mean, you start getting more into the true scientific sex education component to the, the conversation as you get further into junior high in high school, uh, where there are more of the mechanics that you talk about, but early in a child's life, you're talking about the foundational relational qualities, traits, ingredients that a person needs to have in their heart and their soul and their mind as they enter the physicality of sexuality. So early on, you can teach kids about empathy, humility, being honest, how, how to have patience, self-control. And as they develop those, it gives you an opportunity to begin to talk about more of the physicality, make sure you start off with names that truly name the body parts and not creating cutesy names. They're, they're not to be ashamed of. I mean, those are parts that are names. And uh, so starting that off, then it, it, it sets the table for conversations when you enter junior high and you're talking about the, the way God designed sex and, and how important it is for us to 
understand that design, the complexity and the beauty of that design and where it goes in the wrong direction and how much pain and hurt it can create that way. If, if we go to that route and uh, the insatiability in us when we seek pleasure outside of its design mm. and how it, be, it turns into the God or the, uh, the, an addiction and it can be twisted in many different directions. And so this is about entering into an initial conversation about character quality, healthy relationships. And then you go into around eight or nine years old, you go into those more specifics on what it means, how, how babies are formed and the, uh, the, the, just all the mechanics of it. Those are really words we use with our kids and use it in a factual way. You don't have to get silly with it. And as you bring that, they'll see, okay, this is factual information I need to know. And you as a mom can provide uh, just the overlay from a biblical worldview of how God created man and woman. And there's a oneness and a sacredness within that covenant and that design. And uh, there's a lot of brokenness intertwined in that. But in that, he's created it to be an attaching uh, action between a husband and wife and one full of trust and love that can happen between two people. I think what is brilliant here also is this integration of the emotional and relational aspects of sexuality with the physical technical components. Because I think, again, if we go back to health class, that's one of the things that often is missing in some of our formational understanding of sex is that if we don't also couple it with the understanding of God's design for sexuality, for marriage, that we're leaving kind of a... a, a necessary piece out of this whole equation. But you brought up such an interesting point that there is some brokenness that often goes around this. And for many of us who are are walking through this single mom journey, it's inescapable. We can't talk about this topic without recognizing the fact that we are talking to our kids about an ideal that our family doesn't necessarily espouse. So in those kind of instances, you did mention early on, though, we've got to get in touch with what do we think about these things? So how can we move through our own healing experience? And how does this help our kids then also heal, even as we're teaching them about something that maybe didn't work out in our family? Wow, this is complicated, Michelle. That one is really, really hard. I mean, that's been a reality in my counseling office many times where parents are coming in, the, the home has broken apart, there has been uh, premarital sex or, or couples living together, and then they're trying to teach their kids something different, something new, something better. And the kids go to, well, you guys got to do this. Why, can I, why can't I live with, my, part, with, with uh, my boyfriend or girlfriend? Or why can't I have premarital sex? Where in the Bible does it say I can't do that? And it turns into a consumption, right? A consumer. This is unfair. This is, mm. this is uh, why, can, why can't I do that? And so as a parent, what you want to do first is uh, if, you need, if you need to heal some things from the past, make sure you seek counseling. It doesn't make you a weak person. It really gives you a confidential place to gain some insight into what's going on inside of you, the, maybe some of the misperceptions you've accumulated along the way the anxieties maybe you feel around sexuality and the shame. And if you can work through those, you become a teacher where you're able to be open about the fact that we have the opportunity to make choices in our relationships. So it's a could. I could decide to have sex before marriage. And in that, 
here are the things that could happen. And God has given us a design and he's saying, hey, if you step out of that design, there's a lot of pain, a lot of brokenness. You're not going to have trust. There are a lot of things that are just not what I want for you. And it's not trying to keep us away from anything. It's just he's the designer of relationships and love where there's commitment, there's passion, there's uh, intimacy, and he wants us to have it to the fullness. And so it's not about keeping us from something that, that maybe we think is good. It's keeping us from self-destruction and destructive relationships. Mm. So God has put those parameters there so that there can truly be a bond between two people. So as you come in and talk about, hey, I made some decisions that really cost me time and relationship, emotional, capital, a lot of things. And I'm still trying to to, to recover from that and repair that, what I want for you is healthy relationships, uh, the best sexual life you can ever have, a connectedness, attachment. I want big things for you. And this is where it begins. And that's why I want to talk to you, prepare you for how you can best love and be a contributor in your sexual relationship with your spouse. Because the more you have an experience with someone else, the more it takes you away from contributing well in that sexual attachment relationship with your spouse. And so I don't want you to rob that spouse that you have in the future. So if you, if you help uh, enter the conversation with there can be brokenness, but then setting the vision for what God really has for us in that gift of sexuality that can be pretty exciting because a lot of kids come out with shame after they go through the talks, the sex talks and say, well, I know I don't want to do this. I can't do that. I don't want to disappoint my parents. That's not what this is about. It's about really learning to love and attach and have something beautiful as a gift that, that helps you attach and then contribute within that relationship through your body, uh, giving that in vulnerability and trust and love to the other person and it truly is you gifting and sacrificing yourself for that other person and one another. And it, it takes you in a, in a place where humility can grow with one another and you can enjoy with pleasure each other. And that's what you're wanting for your kids. Mm, I love that. I think that gives such a backdrop too for our kids to understand that though we may have mistakes that we could share, that ultimately we would want our experiences to be something that would point them to something better that we could say, don't shortcut it. Don't settle. Don't allow something that looks really appealing right now to just take the forefront because there's something so much greater beyond this. And where I haven't yet been able to actualize that, I want that for you. Now, you mentioned that we're going to have some kids who are question askers, and they might start diving into some things that we're like, I don't know if I want to answer that. I don't know if it's smart. So when it comes to sharing some of those past experiences, how can we apply some wisdom here to know what's shareable and maybe what we need to kind of veil? Yeah, this is a teaching opportunity. It's not a, a confessional moment. And so you want to give the parts... They give enough picture of what you struggled with around sexuality. Maybe, maybe it's, hey, I, you know, I, I decided to go too far and didn't know how to handle arousal, attraction, 
uh, time alone. I, I just, it, it wasn't a smart move on my part. And so then we progressed too far and hear the things that happened because of that. Or, and they may say, well, what do you mean too far? Did you guys do it? Did you guys? And, and as you're answering those questions, you let the, the child ask the question and you're in and out fast where you're still being open, honest, because that's what you're wanting from them. But they'll ask the questions they need to get the full information as you're going into it. So if you say, well, yeah, I struggled with pornography for a season or have, have struggled with pornography, something like that. That's enough for your older kids, a younger child. You could just say, you know, I've, I've struggled with um, how to manage my sexuality well. And because that's the topic you're talking about. And then they may, may ask questions about that. But usually kids young kids move on from that. It's the teenagers that ask them more penetrating mm -hmm. and difficult questions because they're grappling with the same struggle. And what, what it is, it's a teaching tool. It's not a moment to just reveal every detail and you feel better because now you got it out. You, you told your child. Now it's, it's an opportunity to say, hey, I'm, I'm there with you and I'm in a place now where I've gotten the help I need or I'm, I'm free of that. But in retrospect, here's what it costs me. Mm -hmm. And make sure you bring the cost. Because just like if you're going shopping, if I buy something and cost me way too much, I'm going to tell you about it. I'm going to say, hey, this cost me way too much. Mm -hmm. make, sure, make sure you find it uh, at the right deal. You, know, you, you, don't, you don't pay too much for that. And mm -hmm. so that's the wisdom you're bringing to your child. You're saying, hey, that cost me too much. But you don't have to describe the whole entire mm -hmm. transaction and everything. You just say, this cost me too much. Here's what I want for you. So keep pointing back to this is the vision. This is what I'm wanting for you. And here's why. I want freedom. I want good sex for you. It's not about keeping you from that. I want you to have pleasure. I want you to have contentment. I want you to have satisfaction. I want you to have a, um, a committed relationship. There's some great things I want for you. And in that, this is, this is what I'm wanting to talk to you about so that you do that well. And I also know that I'm really wanting to love your future spouse. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, I build this in you out of love for that future spouse and family. So it sounds like if we're giving these shorter, direct answers that to keep it age appropriate, basically our kids will kind of steer that because if they're looking for something deeper and they're ready for the answers that they will know then the next follow-up question. But if they're younger and they're not ready for a little bit more detail, then inevitably just in their lack of maturity or lack of understanding, they'll take something that's a little less detailed because it's what they're able to handle at that point. Yeah, it's interesting with my kids. They're now 18 and 16. Uh, I did a ceremony for my son at 13 and, and gathered men around and, and uh, they, they did uh, some, just some words of advice and then a word of blessing for him. These are men that had spoken into my life. And they were, we just did a, a ceremony introducing him into uh, the teen years and the responsibility he was taking on and what it meant to be a contributor. And in that, I remember uh, my son saying, well, yeah, you, you've done it perfect, dad. And, and, and this false perception that somehow there's perfection in our sexuality when they don't know our brokenness. Mm -hmm. There's either we're broken or we're perfect. There's no, uh, th this no in between. And so mm -hmm. it, it was, it was an opportunity to step into that and say, son, we all, we all have things we carry and choices we make in moments 
and they're not always the, the best for the moment. And, uh, and so when he brought in that, hey, you're, you're perfect, we also want to give our kids the feel that we're not. That's not what we're looking for in them. It's a dependence on God and really pursuing freedom and love. And in that, there are going to be some imperfections and some moments where you just don't handle the moment the best, but it's not good to go to shame. That's where your heart resets with God, just like David did in, in scripture. So uh, also when your kids think that, don't feel like, hey, I won. Yeah, that's great. They think I'm perfect. We're not going to hit the topics. As they get older, maybe bring in some some places where yeah, you know what? I I did not do things well, but I reset. Mm. And giving them that feeling that they can reset and that dependence on God, that they have grace, they have forgiveness. It's about growth. It's about a journey towards learning how to love and to be loved. And that doesn't mean perfection. Love is 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 in the imperfections of one another. I love that emphasis on the reset. And I think that's one of the reasons why devoting time and energy to our own healing is so important because it can be the way that our healing becomes our kid's legacy, not our brokenness. Mm. And so often I think as single moms, we're afraid that this stuff that I have carried around or that we are now living out is going to be their legacy. And you just in such a practical way explained how we can cut that off, but we have to be first committed to saying, I'm going to reset. So if we haven't done that yet, this is that moment to say, let's do it. Not just for myself, but for my kids, my grandkids, my future daughters and sons-in-law, and that it can be the place where that generational healing really takes root with us. Now, as you talk, though, about manhood, this is a subject that I am so fired up, passionate about because I do have one son. He's 10 years Mm -hmm. old, and I have had to broach this sex conversation with him, and I'm happy to have done it. I will continue to do it. For the mom, though, who is not as comfortable stepping into that space, how do we navigate this, Danny? Yeah, that's a, it, it's a tricky one because you want to find, if you can, if there is a, let's say, a grandfather or an uncle, a trusted male that brings a good perspective on sexuality, don't be afraid to call that person in and say, hey, can you, would you mind becoming more of a mentor in this area for my son? If you have that, I wouldn't just find whatever guy yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> to speak into that because that may actually work against you. So mm-hmm. finding somebody that does this well, that is, is handled there or is in a place of healing and their sexuality and can bring some good mentoring, set that up. I, with my son, part of his dating contract when he got to 16 was mm-hmm. having at least one or two males outside of the home that could serve as mentors in his life. And he needed to bring that forward. If he's going to be dating, I want him to have input from multiple males into his life. So as they get older, help encourage that input from men that, um, that are in a mature place that are handling their sexuality well to speak into that. So with the 10, the 8, 9, 10, 11, you have a lot to offer as a mom. You don't have to be male to enter this conversation and to help them understand their masculinity, differences between male and female, what healthy relationships are about, the mechanics of sex, the, uh, the, the body parts and the changes in the body that are happening. Uh, it's actually a very good conversation for a mom to have with a son mm-hmm. to help them understand from a female perspective what's happening in females. Um, 
maybe talking to, to, to your son about the idea of attraction, that boys are very visual, visually stimulated. They respond from a visual perspective. There's an arousal there that boys don't even understand at the age of eight, but they know, hey, I feel tinglys or I feel a strong response. Help them understand that, but also help them understand from the woman's perspective how that feels to them to be mm-hmm. consumed by someone's eyes rather than, hey, they care about me as a person. Mm-hmm. And some, some of the young females get used to being admired for their looks, and so they dress a certain way in order to get that affirmation and attention. And there's no satisfaction in that because what it does, it leaves you dependent on being consumed. Mm-hmm by a person, by people around you, and, and you don't feel cared about as an individual. So help your son become a, a contributor with his words, life-giving. How does he enter a room with other girls, and how can he develop true connectedness, even though he's a, he's a true sexual male that has attraction, that has arousal when, when he's not uh, even aware that that's going to happen, and all of a sudden he has certain feelings? Help him understand that as a mom, you can offer so much and it mm. doesn't require having, uh, a, I mean, the idea would be that a male would be talking about that and the female on both ends, right? Uh, right? With the daughter, a dad being able to speak into that with their daughter. I love having conversations with my daughter still at 16. We just were driving in the car for about 45 minutes together and uh, went on this trip. It was a homeschool conference I was speaking at and she was with me and I said, hey, we're going to talk about dating, boys, all these things. She says, oh, no, dad, are we going to have one of these? And I said, because I love you, honey. That's it. You know, I want to step into this. I want to make sure you um, are, are really aware of what's going on in, in guys and then your communication to them. But also, I, I want you, I, I want to make sure you're preparing yourself to love your husband well down the road and knowing how you're taking care of you in order to be free to love him well. And uh, so it's, it's having conversations both ways. If you can find some of those men around your, uh, in, in your life that can, uh, in the mile markers of 13, 16, 18, in those areas, be available and become a mentor in those conversations, that would be fantastic. I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go, and it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I've found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. I love the emphasis that you just put though on a mom's role in this, because I have to admit, were I not a single mom, I don't know if I would have taken on this role. I think mm-hmm. I would have just said, oh, this is a guy's thing to do. This is a dad's thing to do. And said, I'm just throwing my hands up about this. And it has caused me though, to have to step into the ring with him. And so much of what you're saying, I've started to see that where it gives our kids a fuller picture when it is 
from both a male and female perspective, healthy Christian perspective, because there, yeah, there's some parts of this I'm not going to be able to speak into from an experiential standpoint. He's got different physiology than I do. I'm just not, I'm just not going to be able to meet him there, but (laughs) give him that feminine perspective though, of what it is like to be a girl at this age or a woman as he moves through this just gives them, I feel, such uh, an awareness, but also a sensitivity to the things that culture is going to teach them against. Culture is going to teach them to consume women and how we bring in this sensitive component, but in a way that honors the masculinity and the male experience of the whole thing. You know, you're offering, Michelle, I I love the fact that you're entering that conversation sort of you're offering uh, something that many boys don't get in that husband-wife relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you are able to set the tone for him to be able to have these conversations with his wife. It's important for husbands and wives to be able to talk about their sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I find in, in marital counseling that that lacks um, richness, the ability to talk about sexuality together. There's an experience, but there's also... There, there needs to be conversation with each other about what you're experiencing sexually, mm-hmm. what's happening inside of you and in, in, and in each other. And you're opening up the, the um, comfort level for him to be able to talk very openly with his wife someday on sexuality, this topic. It's, it's an important one to have conversation about. And so I, I, yeah, that's a richness that I, mm. you're bringing to him for mm. his marriage future. So good. So good. That encourages me a lot to hear you say that, actually. <laughs> so, Danny, for our kids, though, who are on the reluctant side, they don't want to talk to us. They don't want to ask questions. You mentioned that we'll often have a child that way. I'll say of my oldest two, I've got one of each. I got one who's the question asker and the other one who was like, why do we have to talk about this again? So for the one who is uncomfortable with this, how do we help manage that discomfort as that comes up in the conversation? Yeah, I would say just really be patient with it, lean in, be consistent and persistent. Uh, it's not like one day all of a sudden they're going to say, oh, this is super comfortable and I love this. Uh, it will be uncomfortable. Well, the more you, you do or you enter those conversations, the more they'll get used to the fact that, hey, we're going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. We developed a resource called Launch into the Teen Years, and that one's for 8 to 12-year-olds to go through with their parents and mm-hmm. to get away for the weekend and to begin the conversation from a lighthearted perspective and then go deeper by the sixth session into the topic of sex. But you begin with identity and you do some exercises around that. And what does it mean to be a child of God? And then healthy relationships and friendships, things they can relate with. Because it's interesting for kids to learn that all that is part of their sexuality. It's not just a physicality between boy and girl and they have sex. And that's it's the sexuality begins with have we learned how to have healthy relationships, friendships? How do we what, what we consume? How does that impact the way we see people and interact? The fact that we're male and female, what's the difference between that in our sexuality and then um, our identity and how we see ourselves, how that impacts the way we enter sexuality and, and just a sexual relationship. And truly, sex is mind, body, spirit, and, and it's not just body. And that's where culture says, hey, we're going to have sex education. It's all about body. This is about mind, body, spirit. And so mm-hmm. you're, as a parent, also entering their mind areas. So you may 
do sex education without them knowing by going into the full character development, the idea of being contributors in relationships and what, how can you be life giving when you're in a relationship with someone else instead of life taking. Mm. And, um, and so as you're having those, they may not even know you've gone into about 75% of sex education by talking about relationships and the relationships they're in. And then you, you, you can tell them, Hey, we've already been talking about all this. These are the components. You could draw it out. The rest of it is just, the physical part, your body. And I want you to be comfortable with that body of yours and how it connects within the bigger picture of creating life. Now you get to Mm -hmm. be a co-creator, you create a soul and a life Mm -hmm. that is amazing. And you set the vision for that. And the more you bring in the lightheartedness, your smile, you don't, okay, we have to talk about this, but you bring in the Hey, we're gonna, it's just going to be brief. We'll be in and out. It's one topic or you're watching a movie and you go up, oh, you know what? This came up. There was some French kissing here. Why do people do that? I remember my daughter asking, why do people like to, to have each other's saliva go into their mouth? That is disgusting. <laughs> that is just gross. Why do they do that? And so we talked about the nerve endings, that closeness, that intimacy, uh, why that could feel good between boy, boy and girl. And, uh, and then what, what that begins to create as far as feelings and that uh, feelings build on each other. Uh, if we just let our physical passions go, it just, it just keeps going for more and more and more and the new and the novelty. But if it's done within a context of maturity, it, it knows its limits and then also sees a larger picture of relationship and love for the other. And, and that's, that's what the biblical worldview that God has intended for sexuality and done in that context. It can be a really fantastic thing to talk about. Um, when, when I bring it up with my daughter, my daughter's, that, it's not her favorite topic. I, I set it up with, honey, you know, I care about you and I care about your husband. I care about your family and, and what's there. And I want to be able to help guide you into healthy relationship. And I'm part of your rolling credits and I wanna, I wanna make sure um, whether you want it or, or it's awkward or not, that I've done my part. Mm-hmm. I wanna invest in you. And so what are some ways that I could do it better so that it feels um, like it's beneficial and helpful to you? So she, she's given me feedback of when, where, what, those things where it feels a little more, more comfortable not, not comfortable yet, but more yeah. comfortable. And, and she gets it. I said, hey, I'm going to be speaking into this. Let's figure it out and, mm. and how it's going to be the best situation for us to, to enter those conversations. I think that is so fantastic to elicit their feedback in how they want to receive this kind of conversation. I think it's we have similar conversations just about giving hugs in our household, you know, and it's like, I want to share love with you, but if you are less of a physical touched kind of a person, how can we approach this in a way that makes you feel loved, not makes the hug happen, you know, not, not fits my agenda, but fits what you're comfortable with. And we have to recognize they might just say like, none at all, (laughs) but this is something like, no, I want to, this is how I express care and concern and love for you. This will happen. So let's figure out the right way 
that at least just makes it something that you can receive the love that's coming through it rather than it being a don't do this, don't do that, or a lecture or oh, just can't wait till it's over or something like that. That's that's fantastic that you you're checking in with your kids that way. I can see you're a very intentional mom, Michelle, and as you're guiding moms in this this single world. It, there's a tendency to become so task focused mm-hmm. that we miss the relational aspect. And there's a lot of sex education teaching just in the relational day-to-day conversation, day-to-day relationship of seeing the other person, of hugging, of touch, safe mm-hmm. touch. So many opportunities and invitations for conversation around this topic. It doesn't have to be a formal, let's sit down, let's put it all together, let's map it out. It's the day-to-day conversation relationally, and that can be so challenging for single moms because you have mm. so much on your plate and you're tired, and you may miss out on those. But uh, just try to notice those and, and step into them mm. as much as as much as you can, and yeah. as you notice them, and maybe this makes you a little aware of the yeah. fact that, that they're there. You know, and this actually brings up another element that I never thought of. But as we're talking about comparing this to giving it a hug that actually is teaching consent. And I think that that is extremely important as well as we look at our kids going off into college and starting to dabble in these things without our presence, but that we're helping them to understand how to have language, not just to communicate it with us, but how they're going to have to navigate these waters with potential girlfriends, boyfriends, these kinds of things. And if we're modeling that at home saying, I respect that you have a different tolerance for this or a different boundary around this, that we're helping them to recognize there is nothing wrong with you and your particular inclination towards expressing yourself through things like hugs and other physical means. Um, But we have to recognize though, I think sometimes that they're not rejecting us, for example, if they don't want to hug, we're just, we can use that as an opportunity to say, okay, well, maybe I can actually, maybe there's something greater to be taught here. Boundaries between siblings is so, so good with, with the consent part. And you're, you're absolutely right with when my son is playing with my daughter and vice versa, when one says no, and I hear it, repeatedly, we stop for a moment and say, hey, what is it? When a person says no, you respect that. When they're serious, they're saying no. I mean, obviously, in playfulness, sometimes you say no, and you're just playing, and you can see that. But in this case, where it's no or stop, that needs to be an immediate, I'm respecting Mm -hmm. the boundary that's been placed. And so you can teach that in the sibling interactions to be aware of that and then to respect it because it's a culture of respect in your home, that's also going to help around their sexuality. Mm, So, so good. I think oftentimes we look at those things as squabbles and sibling rivalry, but it really is a way to teach boundaries, especially because you're likely going to have, if you've got multiple children, you're going to have some who are more inclined to have boundaries really quickly and they're going to be filled up and want to be left alone. And you're going to have others that are going to want to continue to pursue and have to learn how to disengage when they don't want to. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. Now, Danny, when it comes to things like pornography, when it comes to some of those hotter topics, some moms might be afraid to engage in those conversations because we may feel like, well, if I bring this up now, I've opened Pandora's box and they're going to be curious about it. So how can we view sort of preemptively addressing these issues with our kids and do it in such a way that we can feel confident that we're not actually setting them up 
Yeah, first of all, if, if there are devices in your house, like if a child has a phone and, and they have time on the computer, which most likely is most, most families, you want to put um, filters and take time to learn about all the filtering and all the, the tools you have at your disposal to prevent certain images from coming through. Like, for instance, one that's a new one that we have found out about here at Focus and want to highlight is called Canopy. It's out of Israel and has an artificial intelligence and it can recognize actual pictures, not just websites, but pictures mm. and, and cuts off pictures according to the amount of skin, things like that, that you want to filter. And uh, so that's a really good one. That filters within phones and within computers. So you start with that. The other one is a filter of the heart because many, many young kids at eight, seven, eight, nine, they didn't intend to all of a sudden see these pictures it creates a feeling of wanting to do that again and then there they are the other the part that you want to do is understand what could happen on the on the computer or in other places if you're going by a picture that is maybe a more provocative picture and you have a boy maybe ask them when you look at that what happens to you help them understand not just say hey don't look there Help them understand what is happening and the dynamic it creates and why it's there. Why would they put a picture of what's that creating? I remember with my son, we were walking in the mall and I knew Victoria's Secret was going to come up and they had pictures just plastered out front. Mm -hmm. he, was, he was about eight. I said, hey, son, we're going to look at the, it was the rings right across the, right across the, the, the way it was a jeweler. And so I said, just, just let's, let's look this way as we're walking. He said, okay. And so we're, walking but then I saw him kind of peek with his eye over the side <laughs> and all of a sudden you see him look away right mm. and but he didn't think I saw him do that and as we walked away I said hey what did you notice when you looked at the picture and he's like oh you know you, you busted you kind of <laughs> and he goes, oh, Dad, I felt tinglys mm. I felt a lot of tinglys inside and I said okay why do you think that is what happened what are they trying to do what what is an advertise? Why would they put a picture like that? What are they trying to get you to do? Help them think about what's happening and how they react to pictures. And then from there, asking them or, or talking to them about the fact that our mind is where sexuality begins. It's not, it's not in the physicality of the body. It's our mind. And there's a battle for that real estate up here. Mm -hmm. And as pictures enter in, it creates a response to that. We have neurons that are called mirror neurons that help us empathize with people. And in that we perceive as if we're there. So if we're watching a video, it says if your body is there present with that and experiencing what you're watching, mm. so the more you help them understand what's happening in their body, then you say, Hey, there's this thing called pornography, this word. And you can do that depending on the maturity level of your child of how they're going to handle that conversation it's, you're educating them. You're not introducing them to something that they won't be introduced to somewhere along the line because the, the first stage of exposure right now is around eight to 10 mm. and uh, to, to pornography. So what you're wanting to equip them with is there's this word pornography. Here's what it means. And here's why it is damaging. And as the, the older they get, I've talked to my kids about there, there's so much money in pornography. Mm -hmm. Think about how it's hooked and captured people's minds. And so what you want to do is make sure you set up the parameters to not let your mind get caught in that. It's like a fish knowing there's a hook there. Mm. If you know there's a hook there, 
you need to you need to figure out ways to not go to the shiny hook. And and there, there's there's a lot of money in it for a reason. It's very addictive, mm-hmm. fake piece. It's the immediate gratification. What I want for you is a longer term one. And uh, I've had great conversations with my with my son and with other teens on the fact that since they're visual. It just takes one picture to create curiosity for the next picture. Mm-hmm. So understanding that and having the openness to be able to say, hey, I saw that picture and this is what happened. That's the conversation as a single mom, you open up, not creating shame and, hey, don't look at this. It's yeah. vulnerability there. And I want us to be able to talk about it. As it comes up, tell me how it feels to you. And, and I want you to have something even better. And uh, so if you bring up pornography or that conversation, what you're doing is educating them on the, what the word means. And then the words around that enter in from a factual point of view on what those words mean. Instead of avoiding that, your kids are starting to get information and you need to be the teacher. And so as they ask some of those questions that shock you, come in and be the teacher, including in in being preemptive on pornography and helping them understand uh, what it is and then why it it doesn't make sense to enter that. Mm, mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Danny, for a mom, maybe who's got older kids who are already involved in this stuff, maybe they're already having sex, maybe they're already engaged with pornography, what can she do? Yeah, that's where you step back and, and first know that you can get help through, through counseling. I mean, we have counselors on our line here that you can call. That's 1-800, the letter A and the word family. We get several of those calls, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1-800, the letter A and, and then family. And get some get some advice on on how you guys enter into a a help situation with a counselor to figure out why that makes sense to that team. What are they looking for? Mm-hmm. Because you can be guaranteed they're not finding satisfaction. They're just uh, band-aiding emotionally some other things going on underneath. And what you can do to approach this is say, "Hey, I'm concerned about you, um, honey." Whatever you use as far as your word, right? I'm concerned about you and I want to uh, talk about why this is concerning to me. I think you're selling yourself short on, mm. on what you can have in your sexuality. I want something even better for you. And I wonder what the need is and if it could become more of a want rather than need. And then talk about what are needs and wants and then rank them. If you're wanting healthy relationships, most likely the want for sexuality now has to go below that. If you're wanting a healthy relationship, the want for pornography, even though it's strong, is not helpful to that higher want. Mm-hmm. And so help them begin to make choices off of prioritization of what they're really wanting. What is it that you really want? And let's figure out a way to get that in a different way. Because this is an unhealthy way and it's going gonna, it's gonna to run over you. It's going to leave you uh, broken and hurt. And I don't want that for you. And so as a mom or dad, I need you to know that I'm going to do all I can to uh, help you catch the bigger vision because I don't want self-destruction for you. I want to be a part of your construction, your building. And this isn't about keeping you from things because I don't think you're mature enough. It's about really guiding you towards something that provides wholeness, fullness, relationship, connectedness, sense of satisfaction. And, and then just a connectedness with, with God in this and with your spouse. And that's what I want for you. And so if you're fighting back, let's figure out why. Why does that not make sense to you? 
and, and is it more of an addiction where you've learned that this just gives you pleasure and now you've turned into a consumer and it's all about you when really sexuality is about you being able to bring you in, in, in wholeness to another person as a gift. And when it's outside of that design, it really creates distrust and disconnection and no satisfaction at all. It leaves you thirsty. And so uh, help me understand <clears throat> why having sex before marriage, being sexually active, why pornography makes absolute sense to you. I just want to understand your heart, where you're at and, and how you got there. I love the emphasis you're putting here on the heart, because I think a lot of times when we get into parenting, especially when we're stressed out, we're focusing so much on the behaviors. And if we could just stop the behaviors, but as you've just tied through this entire conversation, all of this subject, as we would discuss it, ties to these issues of identity and their calling in life, how God has designed them and the plan that he has in place for this part of their life. And that if we can recognize that in their behavior, perhaps there's a breach in some of those foundational elements and start to discover what is in the heart underneath all of this, that we can escape the panic mode of, oh my goodness, how do I stop this? And engage with our kids in a way that we can actually be a safe place for them mm -hmm. in a world where they may feel, maybe they don't feel we're safe. Maybe they don't feel anybody is safe. And so this is a way that they're sort of going off and exploring it on their own. Yes. Yes. And Michelle, one of the things that has been interesting to me, there was one particular case that was eye-opening to me with a single mom. She was raising two teenage kids and was wanting to teach them about sexuality and good sexuality. She wanted them to do it differently than she did. And um, she said, hey, can you talk to my daughter? We're not getting along. She was 16. It was, a, it was over the telehealth type thing. And she said, I need you to just speak to her. She's depressed. She, she's saying that she wants to live with her boyfriend. She wants to have sex with him, sex for marriage. It's a Christian home. I said, all right, well, let's, yeah, let's, let's dig into what's going on. And so I talked to the young woman, the 16 year old, and we we're having conversation and uh, she had said, well, my, I'll, I'll put those parameters in place. But first I have to ask why would, I can hear my mom with her boyfriend having sex hmm. in the house. I can hear them clearly. And he stays over for the weekend. Um, why is it different? And the mom's response was, well, I'm an adult now and I can make those decisions. I know they're not the best, but it's just the reality of where I'm at and I need to have that. Yet she wanted something different for her daughter. Make sure you begin with you. What are you modeling? in the way that you see yourself in the mirror, in the way you see your body, in the way you see, are you seeking wholeness? Or do you see yourself through that identity, identity lens as a child of God? Are you setting a vision for your sexuality? Are you having conversations with mentors yourself and seeking that healing and preparing yourself potentially for a relationship in, in, in a whole way, right, sexually? In that modeling, then that the, the platform is there for you to teach and to guide because you're going through the process at the same time. It gives you an opportunity to model and teach at the same mm -hmm. time. And there's a lot of temptation there when you're single and you've already experienced sex. 
there's a desire, there's a there's an igniting, there's a hey, no, I just want to jump in. I want to make sure things are going to work out. I want to make sure this is going to be right. And so step back from that and say, what would I, what do I need to do? Maybe writing it out. If if I was talking to myself, what would I need to have to to create wholeness in my sexuality? And that's the starting point. And then from there, you'll really begin to to gain wisdom on entering into the bigger picture of how God designed sex to be. It's critical what you're saying there, Danny, because as I've looked at my own journey through dating and healing this part of my life, the question often comes up, would this be good enough for your daughter? Would this be good enough for your son? And instead of feeling condemned about the path that we're taking or the choices that we're making, we have the opportunity to say, I'm actually going to reparent myself. That in whatever place that we felt like we didn't get the mentoring, as you're saying, you know, we can go seek our own mentors, that we have so much empowerment to parent ourselves and allow God to parent us, that we can turn the tide, not just for ourselves and our own healing journey, but for our kids. And as I mentioned before, just those generations that come after us. And the enemy would love for us to sit in the condemnation, though, that, eh, well, you've already blown it. So, uh, well, just do the best you can. And, you know, we're just white knuckling this thing. And it can start just with simple prayers. It can start with, Lord, I do not know how to do this. I don't know. But I know you do. So put that put that desire to obey you in me. Put that desire to do what is good, not just what you say, but what's good for me. Let me extend that love to myself. Think about that. When you give your kids a gift, you love to see them unwrap it. There's so much joy to that. And so I'd say invite God into your sexuality. Invite God into as you're preparing for that, just knowing that he's going to rejoice in the unwrapping of the gift. Mm-hmm. It's timing. And just inviting him into that to create wholeness and to say, Lord, I want you to purify my heart, my mind, and know that there's, there's something, there's a gift there that you're giving me. And I want to enter that and unwrap it and enjoy it to its fullness. Mm. And as you create that perception, it leaves that past brokenness out of that bedroom so that you can truly attach in that new relationship that God has for you and, and just learning how to bring and invite God into that co-creation. He created as a gift. When we watch our kids unwrap their gifts at Christmas time. We just enjoy saying, hey, enjoy your gift, right? This is a gift for you to enjoy. And God rejoices in that and it's timing. And that's what he wants for us. It's not keeping us from something. Much like my kids, they want to unwrap the gifts three days, four days before. Right. But it's not the same. It's right there at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And it's timing, unwrapping it and having it be what it's supposed to be. Mm, That's so life-giving, Danny. Thank you so much. As we wrap up the conversation here, ask every guest the same question. And that is, if there was just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? The one thing is to make sure imperfection and all that you enter into this conversation as much as you can, as many invitations as you get from your kids. Take the time, pause life. If there's a task calling at you and you get this invitation to talk about this, put the task aside, take as much time as you need to unpack what you're talking about. And then there are plenty of resources out there that you can utilize along the way. We're continuing to build more and more resources that focus on the family to come alongside of you on this topic from the age of four all the way to 19. 
And, uh, and so just, just know that we want to serve you in those moments of, of invitations with your kids. I love to think, them, think of them as invitations because you're being invited into a conversation that needs to be ongoing. And then it continues between themselves and their spouse. Mm-hmm. When they continue to talk about this gift, this wonderful gift that God has given them and learning how to bring love, true love for the other, humility, empathy, patience, self-control, and love for the other into this topic of sexuality and into that, uh, that, that husband-wife relationship. So make sure that you see it as, a, as an important ongoing conversation and that you start as early as you can, just starting with character and moving into the physicality. Thank you, Danny. Now you did reference some resources that Focus on the Family has to help moms with this subject. So could you just recap for us some of those resources and how listeners can find them? Yeah, you can begin with our website, focusonthefamily.com slash parenting. And in that, we have a whole area on sexuality, and it's divided into age and stage. Uh, We have a resource called uh, Launch into the Teen Years, and that's for parents of kids ages 8 to 12. It gives you some goofy sessions. I'm on there. I wear a wig on one part. (laughs) You'll you'll see me in different spots there. But we do give give parents um, some... uh, we do give parents videos that they can watch with their kids. They're short videos. It sets up the conversation. And then there's a parent's guide and a, and a child's guide, student's guide, and you both write in it. And we guide you in that process of talking through the topic of sexuality at the age of 12 and maybe uh, setting up a ceremony for your child to introduce them into uh, the teen years. And then we have, we've just developed what's Uh, considered a sex education, true sex education resource for junior high and high school students that goes into the more science side of things, but from a biblical worldview. And you can opt out of the school uh, health curriculum around sex education, and you can take them into this one. It's 11 sessions. Um, And then we will have uh, we will have resources for parents of uh, kids ages 13 to 15, And then 16 to 19, that'll be coming out in the next uh, year, year and a half. And then we also have what's called Building Blocks. That's coming on the website here in the next couple of months on uh, eight intentional building blocks you can be bringing to your kids externally and internally to help them in their development towards that launch into the teen years conversation. Uh, And uh, and so you, you essentially have resources all along the way and and with that, we, we also have the seven traits that we've talked about before, Michelle, mm-hmm. seven traits of effective parenting. And that's about you growing so that you can build in your child. And if you do those two things, then you can navigate your relationship. And so those are the three parts on our website with ongoing content. And then, of course, we've got video series and uh, uh, we have a, one specifically on the topic of sexuality, a video series, a free one that you can sign up for. And then we have Facebook, Facebook Live, and in our parenting podcast where we talk, uh, touch on this topic. And of course, Michelle, your, your resource right there between all, <laughs> all of us, we do want to come alongside of you as parents on this very difficult and ever-changing topic of sexuality. And one other one that you want to know about is Plugged In. Plugged In helps you in, in figuring out what is in the movies, the, the streaming uh, videos, YouTube music so that you're, you're well-equipped to make decisions 
with your kids and for your kids on what you're going to consume, knowing that it impacts worldview in the way you handle relationships. That's another great resource. That's so awesome. I feel like we've got a whole library here of things that we can step right into this conversation with. And I'm going to have links to all of those in the show notes to make it easier for the listeners to find all of those. But thank you so, so much, Danny, for this conversation. I just love getting to chat with you again today. Thank you so much, Michelle. And one thing to just keep in mind in the vision, you're developing biblical sexual intelligence in your home. It's not just all about our smarts intellectually or relationally. It's about biblical sexual intelligence. Have that be your vision. That's where wine is set up here, focus on the family. Thank you, Michelle, for having me on the show. It's, it's always a pleasure to be with you each time. Thank you. If you enjoyed this conversation with Danny, you might also like to go back to listen to my other chat with him in episode 52, Parenting Through the Imperfect. You might also want to check out episode 55 with Amber, Leah, and Wendy Speak, How to Stop Yelling at Your Kids, Breaking Angry Mom Habits. As we wrap up today's episode, I do want to point out a couple of resources available in the show notes. The first is our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Going through the issues and things that we're dealing with as single moms in community is so valuable. And so if you'd like to join the Facebook group, all you have to do is search for Agape Moms on Facebook at Agape Moms, and then click on the groups tab there and submit a request to join the group. Likewise, if you would like to follow along with Agape Moms on Instagram, you can search for us at Agape Moms. Additionally, I now have a weekly video guided scripture meditation available for every episode of the podcast. And if you subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel, you will receive notifications when those videos become available. And it's just a great way to start off your day with some encouragement from God's word and apply some of the things that we're learning here on the podcast. I also want to thank you for your subscriptions, your rankings, your reviews. It's so encouraging to me to see what God is doing in your life and to see Him on the move, but it also helps other women to be drawn in to just what God has for them here as well. And as you move through the rest of your day or your evening, I just pray that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.